So this that's, felt that's very cool. similar cool. to me to um, the Gnostic Gospels sure, um, yeah. and, and their descriptions of the Demiurge. Mammon driven by unprovoked jealousy, usurping the brightness and the uniqueness of human life. But the sacredness of the life force can never belong to Mammon, and Mammon has been returned to the darkness from which it sprang. So Mammon is kind of like a demi, the demiurge of That's cool. Quest 64. That's pretty world. cool. What's up? Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. And we have a very special episode for you guys today. Um, yeah. We have decided to cover what is easily um, probably the top five, top three RPGs on the N64. Yeah, for um, sure. Quest 64. It was called Holy Magic Century in Europe, which I think is a way better title. <laughs> Holy Magic Century. There's another one. It was going to be called El Tale. El Tale. In Japanese, yeah. that was the original title. Yeah. And... Um, for whatever reason, they went with Quest 64. Games well, back then, they kind of needed to throw in the 64 That was like a marketing gimmick. Everywhere, yeah. In the United States. It was a gimmick so much to the point to where the game Clay Fighters 63 and the third <laughs> decided <laughs> to... Like, <laughs> I, love, I love that game, by the way. <laughs> it's great. It's sweet. <laughs> it's so good. But they decided to like almost say 64, but yeah, not really. Like Just to third. play on the trope. Uh, I forgot about that game. That game's great. But yeah, like Wave Race 64, Super Mario 64. Yeah. For a long time, they were calling it the Legend of Zelda 64, although that oh, changed. Oh, that's what I would call it. A right. Yeah. Zelda 64. Uh, what, what else? They had, um, anyways, it was like a I whole remember, marketing gimmick to just put 60, uh, uh, Donkey, Donkey Kong 64, Donkey freaking Kong like 64. Diddy Kong. Oh, no, it's just Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong Racing. Racing. Okay. Anyways. But, but. Um, yeah. Everything was just called 64. Well, as you mentioned, some of those games, GoldenEye 64. maybe something like Wave Racer, I can't remember, uh, yeah, GoldenEye, that's a good one. Um, I can't remember which specific games came out for the PlayStation and the N64, um, but sometimes calling it well, 64 was a way to kind of one-up what the PlayStation was capable yes, of, to show I, that it's better, it's the um, better version. There were two Harvest Moon games, yes, one for the PlayStation, Harvest Moon which 64. I haven't played, but it was called Harvest Moon 64, yeah. which is the one we had. And it's one best game. But then played. there's the PlayStation, which was just Harvest Moon. Something other. Not 64? Some <laughs> other title, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, like, this this game, though, uh, Quest 64, you had this, right? Yes. Uh, I had it. We got it, I think, right when it came out. We were huge RPG fans. Yes. Had played, you know, Super NES RPGs, got the N64, were stoked to play an RPG on the N64, and there weren't any. No. <laughs> they did not exist. No. And then we had we were subscribers to Nintendo Power, though. Yes. And we would kind of read about this mysterious RPG that's up <laughs> up and coming. They're making it. It's going to be yeah. so good. Um, and we would look up, like, you know, we had, like, the, we would mostly had RPG to follow up on the... Zelda 64 news, right? Yes. As that was coming in. Right. But, you know, every now and then there was some news about this Telltale game that yeah. nobody knew about. Yeah. Um, that, you know, and it was supposed to come out in 1998, I think. And we were excited. And I'm pretty sure we got it the week or at least the month that it came out. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, for a lot of people who follow this channel, I mean, we don't have to really go into depth on this at all because everyone knows the story. Um, but the reason there weren't very many uh, RPGs on the yeah. Nintendo 64 is because uh, Nintendo, well, for a while there was a, you did a whole video on this. There was a, a partnership yeah. that was in the works with Sony to make a disc-based sort of like add-on for, for the Super Nintendo. The Nintendo, yeah. And, uh, you know, there were games that were in development at Square, for instance, like um, 
uh, oh, mana, secret mana, mana. Yeah. that were going to use that, that got kind of screwed over when this didn't happen and they had yeah. to cut like a bunch of content. But that's the point. They had to cut a ton of content because discs could hold so much more, way more. information <clears throat> on them. Yeah. So the games could be way bigger on discs than they could on cartridges. Yeah. So with Sony's PlayStation coming out, and the capability to really expand what RPGs can do, most RPG developers went to the PlayStation. It was just like a no-brainer. Yep. Like, there's, yeah, yeah. there's no way we're going to continue to limit what we can do on cartridges that are more expensive to produce yeah. when we can build bigger games and go way further on these, you know, on these discs. So, Quest was developed by Imagineer. Imagineer. And they were one of the few developers that decided to give the yeah. N64 a chance in the RPG uh, genre. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's a really fascinating game. Like, dude, I, uh, we loved it, man. Yeah. We played this game so much. It was so cool. I remember just daydreaming about this game yeah. when we got it. The music <laughs> and like just and one thing that was a little disappointing. They show him here and he's got like oh, this sick yes. staff that's like got a, like a crook and it's like yeah. yeah. And then with the N sixty four and the limitations on polygons, yeah. the staff just kind of looks kind of <laughs> kind of derpy, kind of yeah. like six polygons, you know, yeah, instead right. of like this sweet looking thing. Um, so that was, uh, but I would, my mind was used to filling in details I love, like that. I love the story of how you guys got this game because you had <laughs> yeah. to like do a lot of work for it, right? We did. We cleaned the whole house. <laughs> we like, you know, for like for weeks until finally our parents would take us to a place like, uh, now I know for sure Mario RPG we got at Incredible Universe. Yes. In Denver. I don't know if we got this game at Incredible Universe or maybe somewhere like Best Buy or something. Uh, like that. Yeah. But I believe we probably bought this game at Incredible universe yeah and <laughs> that, that that was the coolest store no it <laughs> hasn't been around for 20 years now but that was the coolest store in the store in the world you go around and test play tons of games and stuff yep. it was super fun um but yeah yeah this is how we got games we had to like do chores we never <laughs> we never were able to just buy games until yeah. we got a lot older right um because so yeah, at this time geez i, I was guess 12 we would have been yeah like, like, at all the oldest like 11 yeah. 10 12 something like that when this came, the game came out in 98. 98, so I was 11 yeah. then. I would yeah. have turned 12 later, but I was 11. Yeah. So you were probably so 10. 10 at the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I would have been turning 11 in 98 because I was born in 87. Yeah, so. yeah, but you were 10 when it came out in when North it, America. Was, was that in 97? It was June. Or? June in 98. Oh, 98. Okay, yeah, so I was like two months away. From yeah, that. yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's not important. <laughs> the important thing is that this game... Trivial details. Uh, ...is great. It's very it's good. It's a story of Brian... Uh, but uh, yeah, it certainly would have been better if it was called L Tale. I feel, or I think so. I like even Holy Magic Century. Either Holy one, Magic Century like is pretty better. cool. It's pretty sweet. And name. The, the way that this works, like you're in a monastery, like there is this yeah. sort of like religious aspect. Like you're a monk, you know. Yeah. This like the Holy Magic idea yeah. is like kind of interesting. Right. Um, his name's Brian. In Japan, his name is Jack. Yes, it is not Brian. That's actually interesting. To bring that up because his name mm. changed a bunch of times throughout the development of this. Game. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Um, yeah, well, there was even a time. Well, I'm going to go over this in detail a little <laughs> bit later, but there was a time where he was going to be like a nameable character, kind of like most RPGs at the time. You just put your own name. Oh, in Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. And then like it got changed again to what was it? Hold on, I had it pulled up here. It was this really crazy name. It was, but it became Jack then, but then Brian in English. Yeah. Uh, well, Brian, because uh, of the yeah. Irish connection, I think. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So the. Keltland, which is Keltland. the the, the <laughs> island so sort of that this game takes place. It, I, it's yeah. inspired by like Ireland, Scotland. Yes. Like it's supposed to be that sort of setting. that region. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not going to find this right now, but anyways, I'll bring it up later. His name changed a bunch of times in the development history of the game. But let's, so let's talk about Imagineer for a second. Um, Imagineer is really yeah. interesting as a developer because they're they still made, around. Like, they are. Yeah. They made SimCity, I think. They, um, they um, localized it. Oh, they Japan. localized SimCity. Okay. So they kind of got started in terms of their like success by localizing popular Western games mm. in Japan. So it was SimCity and SimCity 2000 and another game called Populous. Oh, nice. um, that they like just localized for Japan, translated and, and brought over to that market. Um, but they had had zero experience working with RPGs. So this was like kind of a big leap for them in terms of like genre or like the style of game that they would even work with. That's crazy to have um, no experience making games and then to make a top three <laughs> RPG. I know, right? On the N64. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's where I can't. That's where I can't. <laughs> I was gonna say that's unheard of. <laughs> I can't do it anymore, dude. <laughs> All right. Um, so obviously, if you hadn't figured it out yet, this is an April Fool's video. Oh, geez. but but I, I say this with a caveat because I, I don't I don't want to like. I'm not coming out here. To say that Quest 64 is the worst game ever made, uh, the way that a lot of people do. No, we aren't here to just hate and bash it. Nope. I actually have really intimate connections with this game. It was <laughs> such a fun game of my childhood. There were no other RPGs for the N64, <laughs> and I really wanted an RPG, and this was what I had. And so yeah. we made it work. But as we played this game again... Yes. I, I listen to the music. I'm going around that castle at the beginning, and mm -hmm. I just feel memories of the 90s come flooding back to me, and they're good memories. Yeah. I have a really good, positive yeah. connection with this game. Yeah. Um, I, I I didn't grow up with this game because I didn't have it. You guys did. Yeah, yeah. So right. I, I kind of just knew its reputation, right? I just <laughs> I, and, and we did a live stream of it a few years back. Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. And I remembered, like, actually legitimately getting kind of angry while playing the game. <laughs> like, like the, dude, this game is a waste of time. It's pissing me off. Like, it was, it was so obtuse and just so oh, janky. It was just like, it was making me mad. So, by no That's means so are we coming out here to like, oh, we're going to change your mind. It's actually good. It's not a good game. No. But, I, I knew it based on its reputation, so I expected to come out here and do this 10-minute joke uh, April Fool's Day video because it was suggested and we thought it was hilarious. Yeah, some of our Patreon suggested. But it. I actually became so fascinated by like the story of Quest sixty four, not just the story of how it was made, but like the actual like the story content line. of the yeah. story itself. Um, there's a lot more to it than people give it credit for, hmm. and um, I, I really want to do this too. There's a, there's a channel I want to shout out because it's really hard to find any like development history. I um, looked so game. hard. I could it's not really find. Hard. I found very little. Yeah. Um, about how this game was made, who made it. You go to the Wikipedia and you look up the list of the people who made the game. None of them have their own entries. You, you can't only look the into composer, more. Basically, right? other than the composer. Yeah. None of the directors, producers, programmers. None of them have done other notable works. It seems. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't find. I couldn't find any more about them that way. You know. Right. It was very sparse. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to shout out a channel here called Level Jake. So it's L V L Level, not spelled out the whole way, just L V L Jake. I watched it. I watched his uh, development history, the thirty yeah. one. Yeah, so he has he has a whole series on Quest. 64. Oh, does he? It's like a it's like a whole comprehensive study. Oh, how many so videos? It's it's like probably 
10 or 12 oh videos my total. Gosh. This is the only one I saw. Yeah. I was just looking for development. So he has a development history one about yeah. its ambition. And, I watched and that one. There's a lot of um, uh, great quotes there from articles that came out in yeah. either Nintendo Power, Nintendo Power or Nintendo Magazine, which was the official UK Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, but there's also N64, N64 Magazine, Mag, yeah. which was a UK magazine. A lot of good coverage of how... Because you don't find developer interviews. And that's no, usually what basically you rely not. on yeah. for doing... <laughs> Development history. They never. Came, they so, never talked about this game after it came out. No. They never said a word again about no, it forever. And nobody and was, was asking. That. So <laughs> that's why. But, but so level Jake, his video on this, the dev, dev history one, was so good for me because really good. I remember I had Nintendo Power in ninety seven, ninety eight. Those every month, you know, we yeah. were subscribers. I got that. I was following the storyline just like he was as yeah. he kind of represents it. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of picking up things here and there and just the hype. Like, I remember all of this stuff as right. he's talking about it. I remember right. being being there, you know? Yeah. So, like, he does that, which was really helpful in like actually finding some sources where you could piece together enough sort of context clues to give you an idea of when things started to change yes. and it's obviously they were running into some hurdles and things started yeah. really changing and they had this totally different idea originally. We'll go all over that. But even just the story itself, which he breaks down in like a series of six videos, like yeah. the story of the game, um, it actually has quite a lot going on that people just don't sure. see because the game is frankly so bad that I don't think people are looking that hard. Sure, that could but be it, it. it really reminds me of uh, something like Bloodborne or Elden Ring or Dark Souls, hmm. where the story is not out in front of you. You got to go kind of looking for it. You have to talk yeah. to everybody. You have to like yeah, put yeah. together the clues, but they're there. Hmm. And there's actually, uh, obviously, it's not um, geared toward like an adult audience or something. It's right. it's geared towards kids. But as yeah. like a kid's fantasy story with like, when you put together all this lore and stuff, it's actually got some pretty cool ideas. That's pretty cool. And I was really quite surprised by it. Hmm. So I guess the point of this podcast now <laughs> is not going to be <laughs> to, just to carry on the, the April Fool's joke, yeah. but to actually uh, highlight a pretty interesting portion of the N64's history that... I really found fascinating, and I wanted to share it with you guys. But um, also, just go watch Level Jake's videos to, yep. to go further, because he's going to go further than we'll have time to go into ourselves oh, on, on this episode. Yeah. But I just want to highlight some of the coolest stuff that I, I feel like he went over and uh, point you in his direction, because, I mean, the world is big enough. I was so surprised. The world is big enough to have... The, there have been one Quest 64 fan out there... <laughs> Who, who can give the game like a fair shake and like a legitimate argument from another side. And I found that such a fascinating thing that is to exist in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I have you. to share it with our audience. <laughs> Thank you, thank you to the internet, right? right. I mean, the without YouTube, great. we would never have never been able would have would have yeah. given this game uh, the time of day that. No. Like, I don't know if it deserves it, but um, I liked the game when I was young. I liked it. I don't think it's as bad as its reputation makes it out to be. Hmm. So, here we go, I guess. Um, first of all, it's important to understand that this game had like 
eight titles or something <laughs> during the That's time it was right. being developed. <laughs> you know, if you just follow the title switches, yeah. that will tell you enough about how troubled the development was for yeah. this game. Mm. Where it's like they, they started making one game and then they decided, oh, let's make a different game. Oh, but we have a new idea. Let's make it this thing, other thing now. Oh, it's mm. six months before release. Oh, let's let's change the whole scope of the entire game <laughs> to be this new thing. And yeah. it's like you can just see it in the name changes that like yeah. they don't know exactly what they're trying to do here. Yeah. The and other, if you look at it on Wikipedia, there's like four directors. and Yes. I, it seems like this game has, it, there wasn't a single vision no. for the game. Um, and uh, the other uh, important thing to note too is it was, it was published by three different companies in three different regions. That's right. Yeah. So Imagineer developed and published it in Japan. Mm. But THQ, THQ published it right. in America. Yeah, yeah. And then Konami published it in Europe. Huh. So, like, all three of those companies are going to have different ideas about marketing it. Right. And the title of the game That's is going right. to be part of that decision. And the title of the character and all that. All of that. So, yeah. anyway, um, it's, it's kind of crazy. So, it was originally in pre-development, you know, planning stage called Eltail. Just Eltail. That's it. Um, but then... It's a cool uh, it, So, as, as I was saying, there's not any direct source for the information in terms of we can talk to the director who says that they did this this and this yeah. you can only get journalists who were hands-on with the game or who spoke with okay. the developers at a conference and they're uh, reporting what they learned and they're usually brief about it yes yeah and so using those clues we're going to sort of try <laughs> to piece together the story of how Good. this was developed but it's kind of cool to do this, it's actually kind of fun because that's almost how, what you have to do with the story of the game too. You'd have to like <laughs> take right. what this guy and this guy and this guy say, oh, that's fun. and then based on that, you sort of like get a roundabout idea of like what's happening <laughs> in the story. So, nice. Anyway, uh, let's see here. We already talked about the fact that they were localizing SimCity and Populous in SimCity 2000, so we can skip over that part. So the original title was L Tale. Uh, it was called Crystal Stories in um, Europe. I think that was its final name, was Crystal Stories. Crystal Stories. Qu Quest 64 in North America, and then L-Tale Holy Magic Century in Japan. <laughs> Love it. Um, so there was this conference that Nintendo used to go to called uh, Shoshinkai. Shoshinkai, yeah, Which was right. Nintendo Space World. It was, a, it was like a trade show in Japan. And this is where it was first sort of announced that this game was happening, 1996. Um, uh, this was before sort of industry-wide shows like E3 existed oh, or right. became popular and Nintendo started to kind of favor, I guess E3 existed before then, but Nintendo wasn't really like a huge con like contributor to that until probably post this 1996 year. Sure. Um, so there was no hands-on demo. There was nothing really to even look at. Right. They just kind of, well, they kind of just showed a tape. They had like screenshots and stuff, yeah. Yeah, they showed a tape there. Yeah. And it was described by the people who were at Shinkokai, or what is it called? Shin, Shoshinkai. Shoshinkai, yeah. As an RPG with excellent 3D graphics. <laughs> that was basically all anybody knew about it. Um, but then the UK's official Nintendo magazine did a piece in March 1997. Uh, and this is what it said. Although Legend of Zelda 64 is the most eagerly anticipated right. RPG for many years, they were all calling it an RPG even back then. That's right. This game is right. not an RPG. <laughs> Imagineer's Magic Century L-Tale looks like it could easily fill the gap for now. 
The game plays exactly like a traditional Nintendo RPG, yet features stunning 3D graphics and a huge map to explore. We've also seen some of the friends and monsters that adventurers will meet on their travels, all of which are superbly drawn and animated. Simply beautiful game with such a great variety of games on offer. This is obviously their, it's a Nintendo magazine, so yeah. all N64 needs is a good RPG. And from what we've seen so far, this could very well be it. That's it, right? Um, that was you know what's had. interesting about that? In 1998, it was November, I think, when Zelda came out. Yes. Usually it's November. Yeah. Um, so it kind of this kind of puts things in a little bit of a different perspective. Everyone was comparing that game. Um, everyone was talking about how Zelda was it's something be, like I mean, an RPG. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, was waiting for that. Quest 64 was rushed and released. It was rushed. I'll yeah. just put it that way. It could be that that's why. They're like, yeah. we can't put this out after Zelda. Like, especially with what Nintendo Power just said. Like, oh, this will yeah. do for now. It's like, well, yeah, for now. Well, and once Zelda 64 is out, like, that's all anyone's going to be buying. You have to get it this out before, before that. Then. So yeah. they released it in the summer, and then Zelda came out in the fall. Well, that, here's the funny thing. It was actually slated for release the previous summer. Summer <laughs> that's 1997. Right. That's right. That's was right. when it was supposed to originally That's right. Out. You're right. And it got like delayed and pushed back. And a whole year. Cut, to March and then from there to June. Yeah, but June. I think you're right. Like there was no way they were going to delay it past June because no. with Ocarina of Time coming out, like. Yeah. <laughs> who's going to buy Quest 64 when Ocarina of Time's out? Yeah. But um, yeah, they showed a, a few sort of initial screenshots. It's just kind of like the boy. He, he didn't have his like yeah. red cape yet. Just kind of like the triangle feet. Not yeah, a really a lot, not really a lot to it. Uh, it was obviously very early production. Um, but then another British magazine, N64 magazine, uh, they did a short piece and it had changed titles to Crystal Stories. That's so right. they say, looking similar in the pictures to Zelda, Crystal Stories, or Holy Magic Century Eltel, if you prefer the Japanese moniker, which we do, will, we reckon, take a more traditional approach to RPGing beneath its 3D polygons. Its characters and locations certainly seem typical of a thousand SNES role players. Things fly off the handle a bit with religion though, which in Imagineer's world revolves around four elements, earth, wind, fire, and water, along with a fifth. So this is important. They had a whole fifth element, the ethereal right. element. The elements are represented in crystal stories by spirits, and as a small boy setting off from Popeland <laughs> to find <laughs> some swords nice. to destroy larva, so there was this whole thing with larva, and his band of evils, you must become a spirit handler and use the spirits to aid you. You won't be alone in your quest, luckily. This was huge. This is there way back be, in 1997, yeah, like yeah. early in the year. Backing you up are a 13-year-old princess, Nina, yep. and Cozy, a teenage pirate. There were supposed to be two other playable characters in this game. Yep. And so that was like a promise from way in the beginning of development. Imagineer reckons it'll take about 40 hours to play all the way through. At best, this game is 15 hours. It's short. It's, <laughs> it's very it's short. nowhere near 40. They even fleshed out, like, Cozy and, um, sorry, Nina, what was the princess's name? Nina. Yeah. Nina. Um, they even gave you, like, you know, their age and, like, little, yeah, like little, little bios description them. about them. Mm -hmm. And they, this was, these characters do not appear in the final version of the game. No. Well, they do, Possibly. but, like, in different forms. So, so Flora, Nina, Princess Flora... Is this? Is, I was gonna is say. Yeah. So the, in the, you're right. So the characters were repurposed, but yeah. Nina is not no, there. No, not instead. Not there's Nina. some other similarly aged princess who we only really see once. Right. And then that's it. Yes. Yeah. And then there's the pirate Kiliak, who was sort of repurposed again. But yeah, well, you only see him once though. Again. Yeah, you see him very briefly, and they don't ever. You don't ever play as them. Yeah. So. 
Um, okay, in fact, Crystal Stories ought to be out in Japan this summer. That was, that was in 1997. It was supposed to be Ooh. out in the summer of 1997. Wow. So, I mean, imagine, I mean... That's how far along... It's just so crazy. I got to get into it. Back, back then, <laughs> games didn't take this long. They didn't really like, take that long. That's nothing for now. It's like, oh, yeah. delayed a year. It t- they were only a year into development when this ha- announcement was made. Yeah. Whatever. Two years, that's that's like really short. Yeah. But remember, this is the 90s, right? Like, you would make a new game every year, basically. Yeah. Like, this is... Uh, the timelines for developing games was a lot shorter back then. Yep. So it's a big deal to delay a game a whole year. Yeah. So then Do- Tokyo Game Show comes around, and they show the game off again, and it has changed dramatically, like, yeah. like just way, way further on. So uh, I think this is, again, N64 Magazine writing. We certainly weren't expecting this. Since our first look at Imagineer's RPG Holy Magic Century in issue one, when it was under the name Crystal Stories, the game has come along in leaps and bounds. And now that we've actually had a proper go at it, there was nothing to do but immediately add it to our eager waiting chart. So people nice. were like they loved stoked it. when they yeah. played this demo, right? What immediately struck us was the difference between its three main characters. While before they were all constructed from rather basic looking polygons with nothing but triangles for feet, yeah. now each of the three playable adventurers is splendidly detailed and textured, and they each move in a totally distinctive way. So they all had their own way of fighting. So he says you, you'll be able to choose from either a young wizard, the main character who you'll name, so at this point you would name this character, who sports That's a right. natty flapping cloak and a gnarled old magic staff, Nina, a sassy princess, and she was kind of like the healer, sort of. Well, it said defensive right? magic, that yeah. she uses defensive magic. Yeah. Right, so I would think like buffs. Yeah, healing. Buffs, and yeah. Healing, that sort of thing. And then you had Cozy, a, a powerful pirate with a neat line and stomping ever. So he's your melee, tanky sort yeah. of class, right? And I love the ages too, because you had Brian was 12, yeah. Nina was 13. Yeah. And Cozy was 15. <laughs> it's like, but what's so good about that is I was, uh, like I mentioned, I was 11 when I first played this game. Yep. It's the you right know, age. I was the right age, age of the character, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just, that's cool. Yep. So that's why anime and games, that's why they do this, yep. <laughs> even though it sounds unrealistic. Uh, kids want to play as somebody close to their age. Yep. That's true. A powerful pirate... Oh, I already named that. Okay. Uh, the superb detailing in the characters even filters down to the many NPCs that fill Magic Century's towns and villages. In the final game, there's tons of places where it's just empty rooms or just there's nothing there. So uh, here, at least, it seemed there were tons more NPCs. Hmm. Each is very distinctive and easily matches what we've seen so far of Mother 3, another oh, game which right. we never fetching got. <laughs> another that's RPG right. which didn't what come happened? to Nintendo fans. Likewise, the scenery is varied and detailed. Uh, It kind of just goes over a bunch of stuff here. Um, uh, It talks a little bit about the story. Um, The whole thing hinges on what the game calls spirit handlers, people who are able to control the five magical elements, five magical elements, that the world is created from. Unfortunately, misuse of the spirit's powers has also created the evils who have the unsavory habit of feeding off of man's deadly sins. Seven deadly sins. Oh, nice. Now, of course. Um, I'm going to get cool. into this a That's little bit cool, more. actually. Well, I'm going to get into this a little more with the name Mammon, which is the final yes. boss well, of Quest. That's biblical, for sure. Right, but like seven deadly sins, feeding yeah. off the sins. There you go. Like there's something there with that, but I'll, I'll talk about him later. Okay, cool. With the evils loose on earth, both monsters and men's sins are dramatically on the increase. This as you've no doubt guessed by now, is a bad thing, but does lead to the main thrust of the story. The young wizard is a direct descendant of a magical crystal. Oh, the start of the game, he doesn't know that. 
which helped keep the evils in check ages ago by dishing out three sacred swords. Now the things are again he now that things are again heating up, it's time to seek out the swords and defeat the evils that are uh, and the diabolical larva, a former elemental priest who's now a black spirit handler and responsible for the whole nasty mess. Mm. Um, maybe most people watching this have not played Quest 64. Because, <laughs> probably not. Or if you did, you probably didn't play it long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This story does not resemble the final story, like no, almost what you all. just said is, would I would say is a totally different game. Completely different fetching game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, they, they kind of, this is at this point where it's like, there's a lot of hype and people are like, oh, an RPG, finally. It, yes. and, and it was really supposed to be the first RPG on the I think it was. Yeah. yeah. It ended up being that. And so uh, th there's a lot of pressure if you're going to be the first. You're yeah. showing the industry, okay, what can be done yeah, on the true. N64? That's can you right. prove us wrong and yeah. make a great RPG on the N64? <laughs> um, and, and the failure of Quest probably was the reason nobody else really tried. <laughs> no one else gave it a shot. Uh, anyways, so it's at this point that things started to kind of change in the game's development. So this is, we get up to like August 1997 at this point. Yeah. They're showing, in Nintendo Magazine, they're showing images, screenshots of the previous build. Uh, so the one that came before the one everyone got stoked at at Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> so they're going backwards. They're reverting back to like the original uh, freaking thing. Um, it's and Here's the name of the character, Shan Jacques. That's it. The Sean, name of the Sean kid, Jacques. the kid's name became Shan Jacques. S-H-A-N. J A Q U E. Well, that's definitely Sean not. Jacques. That's definitely not Irish. No, <laughs> Jacques is Jack. Yeah. Well, right. Jack. That's well, where that, Jack that's where comes Jack from. comes from. Jacques is Jack in uh, French. So. Right. It's it's a very French sounding name. Yes. <laughs> but then in September, so the following month, they're showing images from the later build mm. at Tokyo Game Show again. But it's like they've got new UI and like it's, yeah, it's, there was like a meter on the what's left. What's going on? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How come you yeah. showed these old images last month, but now you're back to this again? But now you're like building on that. Huh. Um, they, but they also talked about how you could zoom the camera in and out. Oh, nice. Um, they talked about how uh, the leveling system worked, which was very different. Uh, well, no, this was the first time that they detailed what it was like, which is. So Saga and Final Fantasy II have this kind of different leveling system where the idea is you use an attribute, it increases. Right. Not like you just gain general experience and you level up and your and stats you kind of it. randomly go yeah, up. Yeah. It's like if I use my melee attack, my then strength increases. If yeah. I take hits, my defense goes up hmm. or HP goes up. Um, right. I use magic if, of a certain type, then my intelligence would go up if it's like an offensive magic. If it's a healing magic, my wisdom would go up. That sort of thing. So they detail that that's the, the style of, of RPG it was. And that's kind of how it works in the final game anyways. Um, there's even an image of the main character running outside, like he's like running around, and there's an AP up above his head in a screenshot, meaning mm. like maybe your agility stat ah, would like increase, status. Okay, which yeah. is kind of like how the Elder Scrolls works, right, too. So that's another example. There of was style. something like that in the final version of the game. Yeah. With the agility stat. Well, is there an agility stat? I don't remember there being yeah, an agility it, stat. Yeah, it doesn't make you go any faster or anything, <laughs> but it just makes the circle wider. Oh, that, I see. That circle see. of where okay. you can go yeah. in battle. Oh, that was another thing that was really different. Combat at this time was more like just a real-time action RPG yes. thing. Yes, yeah, that's where, right. Where, you know, enemy, they show enemies sort of swarming or surrounding you and um, you're fighting them with like real button, in like mm. real-time inputs. Instead of taking turns. Instead of taking yeah, turns. Yeah. It wasn't turn-based at all. 
Um, and it, of course, they had these three different characters that all had sort of different roles and fought differently. So um, they also detailed how there was a day and night cycle and that NPCs would behave differently depending on the time of day. So if you go talk to them at night, they're all drunk and acting differently than they would yeah. during the early morning right. or something like that. Yeah, and the day-night cycle, I don't think Quest 64 has a day-night cycle. I, I don't I believe it does. It does? But okay, it's just okay. I can't nothing remember. really changes about it. It's well, not like when the, I played it just now, it was just always day. I don't... Well, yeah, you go through a lot of caves and things, and so yeah, I think there's like opportunities for like you to miss... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the nighttime because you're it's going true. through Blue Cave for like five hours. I, I just can't remember. <laughs> maybe it did. Maybe it did. I do dark. I do I distinctly remember. remember when I got to the final town that it was nighttime. Well, yeah, and I didn't know if that was an, a day-night cycle or if that, or was, if was, just just that was just the game decided it's nighttime like now. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do believe there is, but it doesn't have any effect on anything. Gotcha. Um, okay, so then in December, so we're getting toward the end of 1997, and the game's not out yet. It was supposed to come out in the summer in Japan. Um there's this really interesting tidbit here. The game is being written specifically for the Western audience. This is yes. a developer who says this. Yes. The storyline, characters, and locales will all vary from the Japanese version. And then the, mm. the author of the article wrote, it's no wonder as the N64 has pretty much tanked thus far in Japan, while here in the US, home of the Kmart shopper, Nintendo <laughs> continues to enjoy a stellar market share. So it's, it seems like somewhere in the middle of the development, uh, they started to get worried hmm. about the fact that the game was not selling well, or the system was not selling well sure, in Japan. that makes sense. And they're like, okay, wait a minute. We should change how we're making this game because our major market share is in North America now yeah. or in outside of Japan. Yeah. So like somebody stepped in, it seems, and said, change the story. Change everything. We're no longer making this for Japanese audience start like rewriting this and doing this right. differently. And we're gonna wait to release the Japanese version until the Western version goes out first, which is really weird. It because is this weird. game came out it is weird. in 1998 in June in yeah. America. It came out a couple months later yeah. in Europe. And then it came out the following the next year, year in Japan. And they changed the game yes, for, the, for Japanese the Japanese release. Version. I have never played I want to play the Japanese version of this game though, because apparently they made some improvements to yeah. the game. I don't think there's too many, but I do think yeah. the ending's different. I haven't watched that yet. Maybe we'll have a chance ending, to do that now. I, to this day, I think this game was the very first, I think it was the most disappointing ending I had ever experienced <laughs> in a game uh, at that point in my life. Um, and I was like, it's over. <laughs> what? I I was severely disappointed. I was like, there's uh, got to be a way. And this is when people would come up with these rumors about how you can get Yoshi and Pokemon or whatever. Yeah, or right. you can get the Triforce. Right. In, in oh, dude, time. that uh, getting the yes. Triforce. I tried so hard to get the fetching Triforce. There, dude. There's like 20 different rumors. But <laughs> the idea was you have to be able to get the Triforce, man. Yeah. Like the game's all about whoever has the Triforce and you don't get it. Yeah. Like. What's I, going on? I believed that so In hard. this game, I was like, I wanted to go back and at least see Brian's dad or something. Like, yeah. there there was so much stuff that happens at the very end. And for the game to just end and, the way it ends, yep. it was so unfulfilling. It was, yeah. And I, as a kid, I was like, games can end this horribly? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know up to that point. I loved the game. And I was so disappointed in how it ended. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, they also mentioned in this ar article how a sequel was already being planned. Um, and, and yeah. they showed f kind of what are now the final character designs. So like the okay, concept yeah. art that of like this kid, like how this he looks Brian, in the final yeah. stage. But also Nina and Cozy were now totally different. And of course, mm -hmm. Nina becomes 
Flora. Flora. So they just used that character, the same character, but they just changed the character. And then uh, Cozy became Kiliak, I think is the name yeah. of that pirate. Um, but they're all their final sort of like designs, they've been changed. Uh, but they, there was no screenshots of the in-game models for those characters, the two other playable characters. Mm. And so in N64 Magazine in January 1980, so the following month, Imagineer claims the game is 60% complete. <laughs> and it was supposed to not only have come out six months before yeah. that, but it was supposed to, at the very least, be coming out two months in later a few months, in, in March. March. Right, yeah. So it's, it, we're 60% there, and the game's coming out in March, in two months. Yeah, it's not It's just out. like, it's what the March. freak, dude? <laughs> so at this point, like, the UI has been totally reverted back to earlier builds from July of the yeah. previous year. Uh, so, like, it's just uh, obviously, like, they... My speculation is that they panicked that the oh, N64 yeah. was selling badly in Japan. Ah, they were like, we just got it. We and can't they were like, too much in investment costs for this. How do we sell the game? Well, when, if we're not going to sell in Japan, we have to sell it outside of Japan. If we're going to sell right. outside of Japan, we have to tailor it to those markets. So then we got to change everything. So I feel like yeah. that was like some upper level decision definitely that like just wrecked everything and made Probably, them start over yeah. and just totally screwed the whole development because the idea that idea in general of like oh people our, our our target is in the west we need to make a game for them yeah I, like people in america loved the japanese games that were just made for japan like mm -hmm. you just make the game and americans will buy it you don't have when in targeting <laughs> it to what you think americans want you end up just missing the mark like yeah. horribly yeah I, I agree. Um, so they released a little thing about the story, and a lot of these things end up kind of being what the final story of the game is. The differences are the main character's name was Jack at this point instead yeah. of Brian. But, you know, the whole Keltland and the Mon, Mon... They called it Montrode Monastery, but... Montrode, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, they, the Eltale book, like all of these elements that kind of were part of the final story are now there. Lord yeah. ba Bartholomew. Bartholomew, being, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian's daddy has to go out searching for his dad. So, like, the, the story had kind of been finalized at this point, but they're two months out from <laughs> releasing the game. It's 60% complete. At least they know what game they're making now. <laughs> I guess they, now they at least know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so, the, there were, what was written in this article is THQ has learned, because THQ was going to publish the game in America. Mm. THQ has learned that patience pays off and they aren't pushing Imagineer to finish Quest 64 before it's time. At least that's what they said publicly. Until, what was it, September, November, that Zelda's coming out. Like, oh, yeah. We're not going to push it past that. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't compete. Yeah, right. Because not enough people have the system in general much yeah. less to launch it in this competitive time period. Right. It's like, you've got to get it out before that. Yeah. Still, we expect the finished game to be released this June as a 96 megabit hit. Many items and characters have yet to be added, such as Jack's two companions, but Quest 62 <laughs> playable characters. But Quest 64 has already taken shape. It's a world where we'll spend many happy hours questing. Without a doubt, it will set the standard for 3D epics. Okay. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, oh, in this article, it claims how you could buy items. So there was a currency. Oh, yeah, there was money. Which, which is not, there is not. There is no money in the game. Yeah, basically, when you need to stay at an inn or any, or you need bread, the girl just gives you they bread. They just, give it, just give it to you. you just go stay at the inn and just... You just stay there. Once again, There's as you no all money. know, you... You go to the inn, you say, I want to sleep at the inn, and the screen turns black, and it turn <laughs> and you didn't go anywhere, you're still there. And they say, did you sleep well? And it's oh, like, dude. oh, that's in well, extremely I, disappointing. Also, the ships. 
You, yes! just, you go into the cabin and you walk out of the cabin. You're, and you're there. there. Oh, please, please let me have the joy of the, the open seas. Oh, so unbelievable. I, I was thinking of you every time I saw that. I was like, dude, that's it. You just walk in the I cabin, know, turn on, walk outside, and you just teleport and to you're the next there. place. Oh, it's unbelievable, man. Uh, I do remember even as a kid being quite disappointed. Oh, that. I'm sure. Um, but it also said you could ride horses. You could take ships yep. out to sea. Yep. There was all kinds of things it said you could do that were not in the final game. So there's all these promises being made. This is part of yeah, the problem that's right. with the game's reception. Was It was billed as the first RPG on the N64. Yep. You're going to have three playable characters. It has this type of story. Yep. It uh, allows you to ride horses and, yep. and sail the seas and buy items and all this stuff. And then all these kids get so stoked. Yep. And they go buy the game. It has none of that in it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. So that's part of the strong and I think very valid reaction yes. to Quest 64 was oh, yeah. they mismanaged the expectations horrifically. Um, and the, the fact that it's not a good game. But it's just not as bad. <laughs> it's not as bad. <laughs> as people say. As people say. Um, anyway, but I also wanted to mention that this developer, despite the failure of Quest 64, they're still going pretty strong. They make mm. kind of smaller games, um, maybe like really wide general audiences like um, little friends, dogs, and cats. Great <laughs> on the Switch. You know that's and that's, fitness boxing. <laughs> that should have been their first game. Probably right? <laughs> their first game shouldn't have been an RPG, which is well established in this pro- yeah. prolific, you know, genre. It should have been like dogs and cats. You know, yeah. that's that should have been their first game. Yeah. Okay. So that's more or less the relevant development history to yeah. talk about. Um, I want to get into the story a little bit here. Okay. Well, first, and, uh, there's a couple more things to oh, note. Okay. I, I do I do want to bring up the composer. Real oh quick. yeah, the good idea. Good idea. He's so good. And now one of the best things about this game is the music. I listen to it; it just takes me back, um, right from the beginning. And as you go to Dondaran, and as you're out in the fields, mm. um, it just reminds me of my childhood. This is yeah. one of those soundtracks that I, we played this game a lot. Um, and it's so good. We were trying to find a way to make the ending better. And so we kept <laughs> playing the game, right? And it still ends the same way each time. But we were trying, you know, we were trying to get our money's worth out of it. And um, the music is good. It's done by uh, Masamichi Amano. And he's great. He's done lots of stuff. He's a very accomplished musician. He's written like a dozen symphonies. Like he's yep. done tons and tons of work. He's a legit musician. He's very good. Um, he also, one of his tracks was used on Django Unchained. Yep. Um, he also did the music for the Japanese movie. Um, oh, what was it called? The, oh, uh, where yes. everyone kills each other. <laughs> it's a Hunger Games, but Japan and way before Hunger Games. Say films. See, he's done so much I, stuff, I mean, man. It's, it's crazy. He it's, has. It's a lot. Yeah, tons Ton of, of stuff. anime. Tons of anime. Uh, he's a done few tons games, of. Yeah. But like Onimusha 3, Fantasy Star Universe. That's right. Mario he did Sonic Onimusha, games. Fantasy Star. Yeah, so Radiant good. Silver Gun. That's like, you know, a niche game, but one people know. In Space. Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Okay. Battle Royale. He, he did the music for He did for the that. music for Battle Royale and yeah. the sequel. Those, those very popular games. Or, sorry, very Movie. popular movies yeah. um, from out of Japan. He's so great. he's done tons of work, and he's only done a few games, right? Yeah. Um, but for the most part, he's a very talented musician. I love the soundtrack um, to this game. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, and he's that legit. guy. Yeah, he's legit. He's fetching legit. Um, also, the only person with a clickable Wikipedia profile. Yes, <laughs> listed of all amongst the developers. The developers. <laughs> yeah, it's him. It's like, all right, they got somebody good to do the music. Yeah, right. I was I was trying to look at, like, I went to Moby Games because they usually have all the credits oh, for yeah. games on there. So you can kind of see developers and what are the games they worked on. It's a better source than Wikipedia to find, like, oh, okay, works good. that other people oh, have I done. Should, I should use it. But 
there was nothing notable that I found from yeah. the executive producer down to directors. And yeah. There's just nothing else that really anybody has ever cared to talk about in terms of games. So, yeah, yeah the composer is pretty much the only developer who's had like a really accomplished yeah, career. career. And it was well before that, too. So he had been yeah. accomplished beforehand as well. Right, right. Um, also, I got to bring up the Game Boy Color. It's a demon yes, of yes, this game. Yes. So, and it came out a year after the Japanese version. Yes. So it came out in, I think, 2000 for the Game Boy Color. It's a demake. Anybody who's followed this channel for like a really long time, because we haven't talked about it in a while, <laughs> knows that I am a huge fan of demakes. I yep. absolutely love them. And this one's no different. Yeah. I think that this demake is better. Is a it's better way game. Better, it's very good. In my opinion. In fact, um, it's possible that this game was meant to be something like a Super NES game. And the yeah. fact that they tried to make a, an SNES game fit just like uh, into a an N64 console and just make the graphics good, but it's still the same base game. Yeah. Um, I think that may have been a lot of the trouble with Quest 64 because this game works very well on the Game Boy Color. I it's think quite so good. I actually yeah. really liked playing it. Or I, sorry, I didn't play it. I watched it. I watched playing it. I, sorry, I watched a playthrough of it because yeah. I don't have the freaking game. Um, but I really want to play it now. Yeah. So I watched somebody playing it and I'm thinking like, I'm going to do that yeah. next. And I really am interested in it. It's the music. It's like the really bad Game Boy Color sound. I like. love Game Boy <laughs> chip. The 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 chip tune sound of Game Boy. Oh, it's so I, hard. I love it. There's I, like five instruments. I like it more choices. than like the NES. Uh, oh really? Sounds. Well, you know what? I probably do too. I, uh, there's this something. I don't know. There's just something in those tones yeah. that's just really rich. <laughs> like um, the music in say like uh, um, what's that Zelda game Game Boy. Oh, Link's um, Oracle. Oh, Link's, Link's Awakening. Awakening. I got you. Uh, Link's Awakening soundtrack is really good. Yeah, I it is really, good. really like the Game Boy chiptune sound. It's and actually become you know, really popular to use for like modern, uh, you know, composers and songwriters who do chiptune to use Game Boy over to favor that over yeah. like other systems. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I probably would agree with you more if I hadn't just played Quest sixty four <laughs> and listened to the the N sixty four version. Yeah. Right. Now. Here's the thing: the N64 didn't have the best sound chip either. No, really. it and, didn't. and it's it's the Quest 64 music is is great. It's fine. Uh, the sound quality isn't Not super good, high, no. um, but like Ocarina of Time had better music than this. Yes. But I think Ocarina of Time pushed the limits of what the N64 could possibly do. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess Majora's Mask, something like yeah. that. Um, but hearing those songs in the Game Boy, you know, oh sure, it, it, it just it ground the ears just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so good. I actually really want to play the game on the Game Boy Color. Yeah, and this was something I wanted to bring up. Like, Quest 64 feels like an RPG from the era of NES or Game Boy. Yeah. Like, yes. something like Final Fantasy Adventure. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, and so the way the characters talk, the way that you get yeah, the yeah. story... Yep. Is very much like because Brian's a silent protagonist, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's not he's not responding to them. It's just people expositing at you. Yeah. It, it, but that that's how stories were told in the very very early days of right. RPGs, which even, is why this game works so well yeah. as in that style. Even going back to say like the Apple II with Wizardry or Ultima, like mm. it it feels like that style of a very old school RPG. Yeah. The problem is it's in the package of an N64 game and the contemporaries of N64 games were PlayStation games. So when you're comparing an, <laughs> a, a, yeah. the era of RPGs to something like Final Fantasy VII, 
it's just, uh, it, uh, it appears on the surface, and I really want to make this clear. Good. It appears on the surface that there isn't a story or that there's nothing to it. But that's not the yeah. case. And that wasn't the case for games like Wizardry and Ultima and D&D and yeah. NES games. They were there. You just had to do a lot of work to read the manual and take the context clues from certain dialogue and piece it all together. This is the yeah. way that RPG stories kind of worked at the time. And so it took a lot of imagination and work on the player's part to like really find yeah. the thread and, and, and put the puzzle pieces together. And this was actually a big inspiration for how FromSoft developed the Dark Souls series. Mm. Because the, the creator of that series remembered reading books fantasy books in English as a Japanese hmm. you know, student who didn't really understand English yeah, that, that well and trying to piece together the clues mm, of the story. And that was kind of like That's the fun. feeling. That's cool. Because he loved that exercise yeah. of, I don't understand everything. But like, I'm going to try my best to like figure it out. Well, and there, there's like a leap of faith there. You have to have yeah. faith that there is something there to figure yes, out. Yes, and that's the problem right? with you, Quest. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't give anybody faith it that there doesn't, is. But, but yes, there is. It, it doesn't inspire the faith that there might be. Yeah, yes. That's right. Then that's unfortunate because there is something yeah. there. It's not um, adult level, like high fantasy, mm. but it's a very solid sort of almost... This isn't the best analogy, but something that could be a very strong Pixar level fantasy oh, okay. for sure. kids and adults to enjoy, enjoy together. Sure. So it's not like you know this uh, this type of it's not Tolkien esque, right. but it's it's got layers to it and it's got good stuff there. You mm. just have to really go looking for it and try and and work at understanding it all. And when you do, it's actually kind of cool. So I wanted to give that as context, and that's the reason why I feel like it works better as a Game Boy game yeah. than it does as an N64 game. Because sure. you have that expectation right. from a Game Boy game. Yes. You yeah. don't have that expectation no. from a PlayStation or an N64 game. You know, and the more you talk about this, especially the games, uh, like this game was a victim of the games it was surrounded by. Yes. Especially on the PlayStation. Yes. 100%. <laughs> yes. You look at the other games that came out in 97, 98. <clears throat> like Xenogears, oh, Final geez, Fantasy yes. 7, <laughs> and then you have Quest 64, and it's like, ah, I mean, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it's too bad. So <clears throat> let's let's talk about it a little bit. If you need to go get some more water, like, go do it. I don't, but... <laughs> oh, jeez. Everybody uh, should I'm, be thankful my for Case. My going to end soon. He was, um, he's been feeling sick. He came up anyways to do this April Fool's <clears throat> video with me, because it's got to be uploaded tomorrow, so... <laughs> Appreciate you doing that. So, Keltland. Let's talk about Keltland first. This is Keltland, the, yes. the island where the game takes place. There's three different like countries here, right? So, or, or kingdoms, I guess you'd call them. So, Keltland is an island where magical spirits <clears throat> abound. This is the abode of magicians who have become powerful through a pact with the spirits. The, these are apprentices of the Mull Road Monastery. Among them, the young apprentice Brian. I have to note, in terms of like the writing, it's actually pretty good. Like, oh, it's quite good. Yeah, I think it's fine. Dialogue. It's short, but it's good. It's 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 succinct. It's, yeah, it's it, brief. It's not like saying a ton, but like the words are good. <laughs> like the words yeah, are well yeah. written. It flows. It's like it's well written stuff. Yeah. Um, Keltland is the primary setting of the quest series where Brian sets off to complete his objectives. 
It's an island. It's very similar in geography to Ireland. Uh, Ketland has three kingdoms, Kenneshire in the north, Karma in the center, and Highland in the south. And the three kingdoms have coexisted peacefully thanks to mutual cooperation until the disappearance of the Elatale book. So we'll talk about that in a bit. So there's these three kingdoms. We start in Kenneshire, which is at the top. Yeah. Uh, and I guess maybe we should start a little bit with like what happened a thousand years ago in the past because this is something, again, when you're just reading the dialogue on a surface level, it's like really yeah. easy to not really totally understand this. So the Elatel book was opened by a king named Lavar of a, a kingdom called Shamwood a thousand years ago. And the, all the kingdoms back then were fighting over this book. And this book has this power to like, just opening it can like totally destroy everything. He thought he could control it. He couldn't. And this, um, this mage named Epona. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> came and basically freed him from the curse that came mm. over him. Um, he had ended up having to go into like exile to repent for his sins. But mm. she was able to sort of, with the spirit's help, because she was like the first, um, what are they called? Spirit tamer or whatever. Oh, sure. Where she made a pact with the spirits. And the spirits put like all their energy into taking, like quartering the power of the Elto book into the crystals, the elemental crystals. Yeah, yeah. And then the elemental crystals were given to like protectors who would watch over them. So it's like the full power of the Elto book is no longer contained just in it. It's been like pieces of it have been put into mm. the crystals. Um, and then the elements, the spirits put most of their power into those two. So it took like all the power of the, the spirits and Epona as a spirit tamer magician. Yeah to break the curse of Lavar, to quarter or lessen the power of the Eltel book, and then to take the Eltel book back to the monastery that she founded. So she was like the first of this line of magicians that Brian comes from, who then watched over this book. They like kept it in the, you know, the dungeons of the yeah. monastery and they like watched over so it. So it can never be uh, fall into the wrong hands. Yes, so that's basically like the background of like yeah. this story right very nice so very the nice. idea is somebody came in to cast a spell on the monastery and snuck in and stole the Eltale book and brian's father lord bartholomew bartholomew yeah um is is goes after this thief trying to find out who took it and bring it back um and so a month has passed, or months, or something. A long time has passed. Brian is now so worried that he can no longer be held back. He's gonna go out and find his dad. He's an, a, an apprentice, a master apprentice magician. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> and uh, all three of them. So the grand abbot, who sort of runs the monastery, is trying to convince him. No, please don't go. Oh, I know I can't hold you back forever, but like, yeah. he has to give you some advice. It's uh, it's kind of funny the way it the way it starts out when you first start talking to him because he says he says he's expositing to you the fact that you're gonna do whatever you want and don't care what he tells you you know yeah. so he's just like oh Brian you've told me that you're going anyways you won't heed my warnings so it's the as you know as you yes, know yes, right. you're a kid who's a teenager and is gonna <laughs> do whatever you want to do but if you're gonna go then you know you should. Uh, you know, have some assistance first, something like yeah. that. It's really, uh, it's really kind of funny how it goes. Yeah. But he tells you to go seek out the king of Dondoran Castle. Yeah. He's like the king of Kenneshire, right? That's and right. Dondoran is like the, the city where he lives. So your, your first objective is to go there and talk to him. 
Um, there's a couple of NPCs you can talk to in the castle as you're leaving that yeah. give you more details. Like uh, Marmaduke, who's like a, a guard or a, a soldier, tells him that the last in the last letter that Lord Bartholomew uh, sent that he had crossed into Loch Kildery, which is on his way to Laurapool. So the, the last mm. known location that he was going to was a place called Laurapool, which is a location we get to later. Yeah. He tells you to be very cautious and all this stuff. So that's, be cautious. That's where he's at. That's where your dad was last heard going to. But in my, this is crazy. Mm. In my playthrough, <laughs> I never fetching talked to Shannon one time. Oh, I, never? No. The whole time? No. She's... I never freaking talked to this NPC. <laughs> there are there are a few. I don't know who else. There are a few characters who you will see throughout the game. Right. She's she's like the most important one. one yeah. But that that's this is like huh. like my point How about do you this game. That? <laughs> is everything in the story is optional to see. Yeah, that's true. It does not. Yeah. It never forces you true. into a cutscene mm -hmm. where nope. Shannon comes in nope. and goes, "Hi, I'm a traveler, and I'll maybe bump into you once in a while." Right. Making a signal to the player, "Look out for me. I'm an important character. Come talk to me when you see me." Huh. You don't have to see this. Right. I never even saw Shannon in this castle. And if she was in the inns, I never talked to her because she is actually, she is in every inn in the game. That's oh. where she appears. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, but I never talked to her. So oh. at the end of the game, when Shannon appears and is like, hey, like all I've this stuff, been, I, I was like, yeah. who, who is this character? <laughs> What's going on? Like, it's like, little did you know. And it's like, yeah. who are you? Right? It's really freaking important yeah. <laughs> that you talk to Shannon every yes, time you very see her important. to understand the I story wonder, of the game. I wonder if maybe they felt like, you know, this is a game for young boys, or sorry, young boys, young teenage boys-ish, yeah. I don't know, 12, 11 yeah. year olds to play, and that if there's a long-legged, handsome-looking <laughs> woman in 3D, that uh, they, they would just naturally go and talk go to her. Go and talk. Right, go yeah. talk to her. Maybe. And, uh... I think they may be surprised at how many people just are not interested in yeah, talking Yeah, just like, didn't do it. Just didn't yeah. do it. So anyway, you got to talk to Shannon, because uh, yes, she to Shannon. says, Hello, Master Apprentice. I'm Shannon. I've been traveling hither and yon all over Keltland. I see you're setting on a quest, too. I trust we'll run into each other along the way. And yes, you do, all the time. She yes, gives you hints. She gives you story yeah. clues and context, and she's kind of seeing you along your journey. And that's like the whole story, really. <laughs> Because Shan is the one who stole the Eltel book, and she's guiding yeah. you to Mammon. There you so, go. Because like, she's kind of like a puppet, right? Yeah. <clears throat> she's, yeah. She's a servant of Mammon, the yeah. ultimate boss of the game, who's trying to be revived from the Eltel book. And Shannon is the one like who set all of these events into motion in, in the service of... of um, of mammon. So anyway, that's like a huge part of the story that I just didn't get as I was playing it. <laughs> oh my and so it wasn't until I went back that's through uh, uh, Level Jake's videos and I was like, oh, this character. Yes, please help me understand. <laughs> what? I missed her there. I missed her there. I missed her there. I missed her. What, is, what the heck, dude? That's funny. So anyway, huh. th this is the, one of those types of games where you, you get what you put into it. Yes, so sure. Talk sure. to everybody. It's important. Yeah. Um, um, I want to bring up real quick. So first off, Brian as a name, it is Irish origin. Uh, so ah. to the extent that they changed a lot of names from something like Jacques to Brian, uh, shows that they're really trying to, I think maybe things were maybe a little more generically European and they kind of pulled it all together around specifically the English, the British Isles. Yeah. Not the English, sorry, the British Isles. Um, what would you call it? The Scotland and Ireland specifically. Yeah. But yeah, kind of just that region there and kind of centered it right there. So the name Brian does fit. It means strong or courageous in, you know, Irish. Um, 
also, and Keltland, of course, obviously Keltland. Yeah. Um, but on the title screen, right, right at the intro, you have this mandala, which is super cool. I'm just going to analyze. Oh it yeah, my briefly. mandalas. Uh, I'm going to yes. analyze it briefly because I just do that kind of thing. Um, there's the staff over the whole thing, right? Which is like the unifying thing. It's just the it's the number one. It's just a line. It's got the orb on it, but it's just like a thing. You just when you're analyzing a mandala, you just break everything down into numbers. <laughs> so you have the number one, then you have the cross. The it's more of like the English cross or something like it's or the sorry the Irish cross. It's not like the Christian crucifix. Um, it's more like all ends are equal. You know, it's more oh, like a plus yes. sign. But yes. it looks kind of, you'd see it on shields and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think they call it the Irish cross. Ah, I could be totally wrong about that. Um, but that's number four because it's got four ends. Then it goes to this, uh, there's a bunch of circles. There's 16 circles right around the cross. Mm. And then each circle there has four lines that go out from it into the next circles that are on the very outside. And there's right. 64 circles on the outside. Uh, so they're showing the 16 becoming 64. Oh. Uh. Now, I think that's saying the SNES yeah, becoming the, yeah, 64 yes. bit. Yeah. I think they're saying 16 bit to the 64 bit. They're showing like this progression, this outward kind of yeah, movement, right? right? That there's the rod and the cross, and then the 16 becomes the 64, and that that's the completion of the whole thing, you know? <laughs> and they're like, this is a step forward. We're moving forward. The SNES era is over. We are now in the area, era of the 64 3D bit. Yeah, RPG. 3D. And the, the cool thing about that is that the 16 skips 32 to become 64. Right, yeah. so it's like each circle of sixteen has four lines, not just two. Right, right? so it's like, so it's like more than just duplicating itself. It's like quad quadra replicating itself mm-hmm. into this whole thing. Anyways, that's the energy. That's the whole mandala explained a little bit. It's also on this like burlap kind of texture there. Yes, which is I was really going. Cool. I was about to use that as the image for the screens. Was oh yeah, the, it's because it's, it's got like his staff, I think, and yes. then like the mandala um, in the middle. Yeah, uh, and then. As you're going through the text, the text has an interesting-ish font to it, I suppose, but it's got like a quill on the bottom right Mm. for like continue, like push A. It's like a little quill. And it's just kind of gives you this impression that these things are all being recorded and written down in some some grand tome. And I really like that. I think that's just a fun touch. It's just really cool. cool. Um, that's probably all I really got right now. Yeah, and I think that my next next section I get to is like Dondarin Village and the castle. Yeah, that's so, cool. Um, oh, but should we maybe at least bring up the fact that Brian has some like hair sticking out of like the oh, top uh, of yeah. his head? <laughs> A lot of uh, publications <laughs> read about how dumb his hair looks. <laughs> why? Yeah. I don't know why. That's maybe one thing that's held from I think even the very first like image of of, yeah. of this game is that he's got just this just, weird just, just hair sticking out. Just. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I, I don't know what it's about. I it's think, like a quail. I think there's quail thing. something that gives gives him sort of like a uh, that sort of childish oh, air to him. Charm. Like a like a <coughs> what's his name? Alfalfa, who has the cowlick in or the hair that sticks. Yes, from Little Rascals. From Little Rascals. Yeah, that's right. That kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like they're kind of they're trying to give him like a personality, like a, of a of sort of that rambunctious kind of kid yeah. age. He, he's, he's like a little wild, and he doesn't you know worry about his hair, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Maybe um, it did remind me a little bit of Doug, the show Doug. From oh Doug yeah, Doug, and Doug how he awesome. he become Quail Man, right? <laughs> yep. And he put his belt on. He had to have this like Quail thing, yep. you know. Feather was, in the front. That, that's all I could really think of. I, even yeah. back when I was playing the game, I was like, oh, yeah. that's kind of like Doug. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, would have been the right time period. Oh, and by the um, way, Kennishire means a land born of fire. 
Mm. Pretty sweet. That's interesting it's because Highland is the land of fire in the game. But uh, that's a good point. Highland just means Highland. You know, so yeah, like hills. Highland cliffs. is where all the fire is at. That's like where you do the f- the fire boss. And okay, well maybe those names ought to have been, have been flipped. <laughs> Switched. <laughs> I will say the naming is is good, and they yeah. just used older Irish names and stuff. But it's right. good. Like I, yeah. I liked it. It's I not like it. they have like these weird. Oh gosh, I'm just remembering the Gentleman Broncos, Jermaine Clement's character from Gentleman Broncos, Uh-oh. who just talks about how naming, if you add inus or anus to the end of any <laughs> any word, it immediately sounds like medieval. And it's, like, <laughs> it's just hilarious. <laughs> All right, so you get to Dondoran Village here finally. Um, so there's people in the town uh, saying that even the king is worried about this robber who's come. Yeah. I heard it. He sneaked into the castle. No one knows when the robber might come back again. I just hope he doesn't find our house. Um, father has hidden all of our valuable pottery just in case. I, I thought it was weird because I didn't, again, on my playthrough, I didn't talk to everybody. But you should because you get a lot more details as to... Um, like the the importance of the town and its economy and like how it's run and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like basically, this area is rich in clay. So yes. like they yeah. they basically are clay makers and and pottery makers and things like that. And and they get their clay at least in part from the forest where this yeah uh, this robber has gone and is holed up. His name's Salvaring Salvaring. Yeah. So now there's all these monsters and stuff in the forest. Yeah. They can't go. They there. can't go get their clay. So yeah. like. They aren't. Their economy is going to crash unless some, right. somebody does something about this, right? There's just more layers to it than what you get from talking to like a couple NPCs. Yeah. Um, so this guy rocks says, "I'm a clay digger, but I can't go into the woods because of the robber. What can I do? I can't work." And then Davy says, "They say the robber is using an old fort in the forest as a stronghold. It's dangerous to set foot outside the city while he's about." And then this guy Clay, <laughs> so we have a guy named Rocks and a guy named Clay. I make pots and vases, but because of the robber, I can't get any clay. If I don't get some clay soon, my business will be ruined. So it, the reason why these people are worried is not just, oh, there's a robber out there, but like we are going to lose our our way of life, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Like we can't, our economy cannot function if this guy is going to keep us out of the woods. And the king has already sent his guards and soldiers into there and they were humiliated by the yeah. power of Solverings magic. They just kind of ran they away. They just and, got yeah. d- demolished. Yeah. They stood no chance because he's holding like an elemental crystal. The earth like, orb. Yeah. He has incredible power from that. And so you, you start to like fill in the gaps, which is what you're supposed to do for these old school RPGs with your imagination. Yeah. And it's like, you can imagine this, incredibly powerful sorcerer in the place where all the resources are mm. and the people are just desperate. They have no way of like <laughs> uh, uh, solving this problem because they've never seen magic like this before. Mm-hmm. And so you go talk, to, well, Flora is here. I guess we should mention that. Oh yeah, this she's is like a Nina, princess. Yeah. Nina was repurposed into this character. Right, um, she's younger, she's going to be married. Or something like that. Well, she says um, that was from the Game Boy Color version. I don't probably, know exactly. What you're was probably right. They give the Game Boy Color is great because they give a lot more context into a lot yeah. of these events than even the N64 version gives. Right. Uh, you get to know a lot of the characters a lot better. Yeah. So she just says, "You enter unannounced. Your manners are worse than the thief's. But mm. there's something about you. You're a magician, aren't you? 
Have you come to help us capture the thief? I wanted to go after myself, but father forbade me to leave the castle. Right. She's um she's got a sword. Yep. She clearly wants to um Get involved. be more of a warrior yep. than um a princess. Oh, than a traditional princess, yeah. yeah. I command you to go into the forest, find the thief, and return our rightful possessions. If you have the courage, my father will reward you handsomely. Oh, Shannon's also here. Oh, yeah. She says, I assume you've heard that the robber is hiding in the forest not far from here. He's blocked off the road to Loch Kildery. Loch Kildery was where our father was last heard being, mm, right? Course. So yeah. we can't continue our journey until we do this. Until anyways. we help the king. Yeah. So, like, the story is, there's more to it than you think if you just talk to people. Yeah. I didn't ever talk to Shannon, so I was like, <laughs> why am I helping you with this? I'm supposed to be finding my dad. But, That's funny. Yeah, like, I can't. The, the king has blocked off the border to the other kingdom into Lock Killery where I'm trying to go. So if I want to continue my journey to find my dad, I've got to help them with their problem. Plus, they're in a really, really bad situation. This is like... <laughs> almost the worst thing that could happen to this this uh, city. Yeah. So, yeah, like you go into the forest. Uh, well, I guess I should say what King Scottford says first. So you're the master apprentice the Grand Abbot has written about. Welcome to Dandarin. I know you're searching for your father, Lord Bartholomew, who's missing on his quest for the Eltel book. I would like to help, but first I must take care of a most pressing matter. You have heard of the brazen thief who stole the earth orb from my secret treasury? So he inherited this orb from yeah. whoever was the first protector, right? It's come down through the family line. I sent my troops in pursuit, and they were uh, helpless before the thief's black magic. Now he blocks the road to Lock Kildry. If you want to continue your quest, you must. Uh, the roads must be made safe again. And then there's this guy, Gibson. He's a soldier. You startled me, he says. Like, oh, he like jumps at the sight of a magician. <laughs> His soldiers are on edge, it seems. I thought you might have been the thief coming back for more. We never suspected that one man could pose such a threat to our castle, but his magic was overwhelming. Mm. The castle guards went after him, but they were no match. I'm still nursing my wound. When fighting Solvering, try to avoid the... And he gives you some advice on how yeah. to fight him. So... It, it kind of fills it out a little bit more when you talk to people, right? Like, there's nice. a little bit more to this. Again, it's not Tolkien-esque, right. but, like, for a kid's world, right? I, I really yeah. felt like this could be written in sort of, like, a kid's book, and it would be a legitimately oh, pretty cool story yeah, sure. to, yeah. like, be a bedtime story for kids, totally. like a little fantasy world. And it actually got me thinking, like, I would like to write a bedtime story level children's Me book too, dude. fantasy <laughs> yes um not like a the, uh, like the hobbit was but like right. a picture book yeah uh, but one that's like a hardcore that's like sweet <laughs> awesome one yeah like <laughs> dragons and death yeah i i've seen <laughs> i i i get so frustrated as i read these books to my kid yeah they're all just the most watered I mean, they, down you learn your shapes yeah. and colors i guess yeah. but like i really want to you know get some like just some simplified like board books that my kids can read. Yeah, that's actually of like legit cool stories. Yeah, instead of and you, and you can do it. You just condense it down. It won't be like super poetic in the prose, but like you can boil the story yeah. down to like a twelve-page board book and get some sick pictures in there. And it's like boom, you've that's got, exactly you can do that. What I felt like this has yeah. the potential to be. This mm. Quest 64 story is basically that. And, and and when I saw it in that light, it was like, this is actually a pretty dope story. Like, this yeah. is actually pretty cool. <laughs> I actually really like this now. Nice. <laughs> so I, I just cool. got this, like, appreciation for this thing that I just did not expect at all well, when I went what, into this as an April Fool's joke. <laughs> we should, and maybe we could even put this on the poll in the future, but we should play the Game Boy Color yeah, version. Yeah, right? Um, and just, like, go through Get the whole some game. some more 
It would be like two episodes, you know, but it would be fun. Yeah, we could do it as like a Patreon episode or something. Yeah, Patreon or something. Um, so anyways, you go there, you fight Solvering. <laughs> Let's see. Um, bah, 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 bah. Did I delete his dialogue on accident? Oh no, did I delete his dialogue on accident? Oh, here it well, is. What's this? What business do you have in the castle, Solvering, King of Beasts? I thought that line was interesting. Mm. The, again, yeah, it's King so, of Beasts. It's yeah. so easy when you're playing this game like I was in our live stream, and I'm getting really frustrated about how crappy the like battling is and how high <laughs> yeah. the encounter rate is. Oh and my like, gosh, it's very frustrating. <laughs> how so I actually, it all is. I remember too, all these memories come flooding back of what I used to do as a kid to help lessen the pain, right? Yeah. So whenever you, so just keep your bearings around you for wherever you were. Oh. I know it's hard, but try to remember, get a good orientation. <laughs> and at, as soon as you kill the enemy, run as far as you can or plan ahead. Make sure that you're already a few steps forward with your agility sphere or your little right. your field of movement and make sure that you're as far towards where you're trying to go when you do your final attack on the yes. enemy and then immediately run to the other end before the battle ends. That way you'll get a few extra steps right. in um, with of, of before, a before new, another a new battle, battle starts. Right? comes you <laughs> have to like really plan this stuff though. It's it's kind of annoying, but as a kid, I remember I got really good at that. Yeah, I was like, all right, we're about to end this thing. Boom! I got to make sure run, that run, my run, agility run, run. is like all the way over here, and then all right, now I can go a little bit further. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. But like, so it's easy to like start to just <clears throat> glaze over some of these lines. But this dude calls yeah. himself the King of Beasts. The King of Beasts. No, what's really interesting too is that the girl's name is what's her name? Um, Flora. Which girl? Flora. Flora. Yeah. Flora is the princess. And this beast is, well, he's the fauna, you could say. Sure. Right. So the flora and the fauna have, oh, well, I can't remember if this is the Game Boy Color or not, once again, because I did go through this in the Game Boy Color, <laughs> right. but he is trying to marry Princess Flora. That's the Game Boy Color right. version. Okay, okay. Or the well, game, yeah, the Game Boy version, yeah. Then I'm confusing the two. Either way, the idea of the flora and the fauna is that they are supposed to be united, but they are separate because some evil thing has, like, divided things, you know, in the world. And the flora is the plants, and the fauna is the animals. Right. And he represents the animals, she represents the plants, but yes. there's, like, this big division. Right, where it's like you can't, like, <laughs> we can't live together in peace, and it's your fault, basically. Yes. Uh, but it's it's interesting that they changed her name to Flora and then had this man called the King of Beasts, yes. who is the one who's kind of causing her trouble, yes. right? It shows that nature, that there was some nature is not uh, getting along. Yeah, there was some thought put into this, too, yes, totally. that you might not have thought was there mm-hmm. because you were so frustrated that you just weren't <laughs> looking that hard. Right. But but another interesting thing about this, if he's the king of beasts, right, he probably comes from this forest. Oh, sure, yeah. He, he probably considers himself like, at, you know, at one, at one of those people who loves animals more than people oh, sure. lives at peace yeah, with yeah. the animals in the forest. And these people are encroaching on the forest and taking the resources right. from it. So there's an animosity towards the people of Dondoran mm. already. And then he gets his hands on an earth orb, which we remember the power of the Eltel book was quartered from. So there's like a piece of the evil magic oh, in book. the orb and he yeah, takes right. control of that. So his, all of his, like probably true animosity towards the king and towards Dondoran is now amplified hmm. by almost like a one ring-esque sort of scenario. Oh, where sure, like that's Coming in contact with yeah. that magic, it, 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 it's really like the spirit of that thing yeah. is sort of controlling you. Oh, totally. Right? So I'm the King of Beasts. Did that fool in Dondoran order you to come after me? Idiocy. I stole the Earth Orb and it's all mine. With it, I will become the ruler of Kenneshire. Uh, I'll show you humans what real power is. Mm. So he hates humanity. You can sort of piece together a little bit 
this yeah. guy's motivation. There, there's, there's a character a, in this. Totally. And there is something <laughs> of a, what would you call it? The, the earth nature itself. Yeah. Not liking what mankind is yes. doing, something like that. Right. And it's fitting that he has the earth, the orb, earth orb and that he's in the forest connected with nature, identifying yes. with the beasts and the, the, the fauna versus, you know, and then, you know, the, the humans who are encroaching and overstepping. Yes. And then the power of nature is what the power of the earth is what is going to have its vengeance. Right. Right. Yeah, right. On the so humans. Like, I mean, I mean th- these are tropey, archetypal, archetypal sort of things. Yeah, it's typical. But there's, there's a story in it. Yeah. Way more than people give it credit for. Um, and, and it is kind of cool. And again, we won't go over all that. <laughs> Point is, I don't even know how much longer we can go because we're not doing two episodes on this. No. But I maybe want, we can later. I, 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 I uh, want to kind of maybe skip forward a little bit unless you have another. Um, note. I just, there was a note of some people in the town talking about a day of grief. Right? Yes. That there was a day of grief in yep. the past because they yep. say we don't want the, another day of grief, right? Yeah. And that apparently is the Eltail book or something like that ushered in this like horrific experience for everybody. Right. And so they don't want that to happen again. Yeah. Um, but it seems to be about to happen again. There's some world building there. It's like they didn't tell us exactly what it was. But we can yeah. piece together, oh, this is something like this has happened before. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, in Dondurant, the castle is sweet. It is yeah. really cool. The chapel <laughs> looks sweet. The altar, all the candles yep. up. There's like all the candles mm-hmm. and like, it looks so legit like a monastery. It looks so cool. Yeah. The altars and the music. Ooh, classic. The stained glass, the pews. <laughs> Everything looks very Catholic as well. Yeah. Which is common in Ireland is, is a Catholic yeah. country, right? Right. Whereas a lot of the other nations would be in, you know, maybe more Protestant in different ways. Um, but Ireland in particular was very Catholic. Yeah. So after leaving Kenisher, which is where we got the Earth Orb, in Karma, which is sort of the central kingdom of the island, mm. is where we're going to get the wind and the water crystal. So Lara Pool is where the water crystal is. Well, no, that's actually Sky Island, but there's a whole other thing there. Anyway, mm. the person who is supposed to be guarding or who gives... Oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting things confused here. The person who's going to give us the way to get to the place where we'll talk to Epona, who will help us get Which to the is water the boat, crystal. Right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Is, is the water crystal, is that through that direction. And then Normoon is the other town here where we get the wind crystal from. Mm. So the, it's like the wind and the water, is, they kind of play together, right? Like, sure. And I think there's a character who says something like that. Like, without the wind in your sails, like, you can't, you know, go anywhere on the water. Oh, but, there you go, yeah. So Laura Pool is a pretty cool area. It's just like, this town with like these waterfalls. And yeah, it's, it's a cool area. It's pretty like interesting it area, but there's a character we meet here named Layla, who is a sorceress. Um, and she tells us about Epona, but she says, I'm Layla the sorceress. My destiny is to protect Laura pool, but somehow the wind has stopped blowing. <clears throat> the reason can be found near the city of wind Normoon. She tells you to go to Normoon. When the wind stops, demons are free to spread throughout the land. I'm using all of my powers as the water spirit to fight them off. Our world is balanced by four different spirits. If one of them should become stronger or weaker than the others, we're all doomed. I have only enough power to protect this single region. You must protect the rest. So when the wind stops, the spirits linger. That sounds about right. Yeah, the spirits... the, the, the wind is supposed to carry yeah, them. Yeah, the wind is the moving things. That means yeah. your spirits are constantly coming and going, you know. Yeah. But when the wind stops, that's when they stay. Right. Mm. I could totally see that in the medieval times. So the story of Normoon here is there's these three vagrants, I guess, who have sort of come through these vagabonds. 
and they've sort of messed things up here, and people are kind of complaining about them. So we have like Rick, Oscar, and what was it? Kevin, I think was the other guy's name. <laughs> so Rick says like, hey there, have you seen a silver-haired man with razor-sharp eyes? Where has that knave gone? And Oscar says, me and my mates are vagabonds. We wander wherever our boots take us. But the other day, we stumbled across a precious stone in the woods outside this town. But after we got into this town, the one who was holding it disappeared. So one of their guys took it and, and disappeared. Disappeared. The one ring, once again. Yep. <laughs> Kevin, the other guy, says There's a, there was a magician in our group who kept it to himself, or who kept to himself. He disappeared not far from here. He might be in the woods. So these guys are giving you clues for the boss of this area, who is Zels. Um, but I guess I should also mention we meet, uh, well, we just don't have enough time to go through all my notes, so let's just skip that yeah. a little bit. But Zels <laughs> is the magician holding the wind crystal, which is the wind jade. And he says, get out of my way, brat. I'm the one who holds the wind jade. All you who belittled my power are about to be blown to smithereens. So we go back to talking about these guys, right? The first guy, who was he, Rick? Uh, he calls him a knave. Have you seen a, a silver-haired man with razor-sharp razor, razor eyes? Where has that knave gone? Yeah, He's knave. just annoyed by him. Yeah, right? yeah. Where does he go? This other guy says, uh, we're vagabonds. We wander wherever our boots take us. Talks about the precious stone. And then Kevin says something about this guy who kept to himself. He was in our group, the magician who kept to himself. So they didn't have a close relationship with this guy. Right. <clears throat> he disappeared. He might be in the woods. No one's going to bother to look for him, right? It's like his group hmm, or the ones belittling him, probably. Yeah. Right? They, they, he, he probably felt sort of outcasted among them. He didn't feel like he had a place. So he, he gets a hold of this crystal, which, again, has some of the power of the Elto right. book in it. It sort of does its one ring thing on him. Yes. And he's like, okay, I'm going to show everybody how powerful I am. This is like Smeagol. Basically, yes. <laughs> yeah, that he's an outcast. Right? People don't like him. He finds this incredibly powerful thing and immediately starts to kind of get now, revenge on people. we start to wonder how are, did they just stumble upon a wind, the wind yeah, jade in the middle unlikely. of nowhere. Yeah. Someone yeah. orchestrating these events, right? We've already talked about Shannon. Right. <laughs> and so we're getting a little hurt ourselves there. But... Um, we're running out of time. So anyways, uh, there's just lots of things like that where you can sort of piece together what happened, right? And then you go back and talk to these guys after you've defeated him and, whoa, did the stone really have that much power? Oh, it scares me to hear about that. Zels has done something stupid. Um, Rick's saying, Zels played around with the wind and stopped. Why did he, I wonder? Did someone put him up to it? Hmm. Um Kevin says, I knew he was up to some mischief, but stopping the wind, it's hard to believe he would do such a thing. So, you know, they're all surprised and not taking responsibility for whatever they must have done to <laughs> piss him off. But Rick seems really convinced, like, no, I don't think he just did that on his own. Someone must have put him up to doing that. Like, that doesn't sound right. As, you know, weird as the guy was, like, I, that didn't seem right. Anyway, so after you've done that, you go back and talk to Layla, and she opens up the cave that's going to leave to Epona, she introduces this character Epona to you. So I am the messenger for Epona of Crystal Valley. Epona is a mysterious person. She can see through anything, and there's nothing she doesn't know. She told me there's something she wishes to tell you. Outside the hotel is the room to the crystal well. Um, when you're ready, proceed into the well. So she, like, drains the water, and then you go through this cave that was essentially underwater. It's, it's like the longest dungeon cave of the game. It is really long. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of battles in there. 
Um, but you come out on the other side to the Crystal Valley, and this is where you meet Epona. And this is where you finally start to learn more about the Eltel books, actual uh, origins and things like that. Mm. And that she was the one who banished this character Mammon, who we're going to start learning about. Yes. Um, a thousand you, years did ago. Did you have anything to say about Mammon? You brought it up at the I, beginning. I did. Um, I have a whole thing on it here. Where to put it? <laughs> I just know that. I just know the Bible verse. Yes. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I, I have a whole thing on it here. Okay, um, good. Let's just do that now. <laughs> so mammon in the New Testament is commonly thought to mean money, material wealth, yes. or an entity that promises wealth. Sure, yeah, but um, physical. Like yeah. Solely on the right. earth. Yeah. Right. It's associated with greed or yeah. the pursuit of gain, right? So this term is used in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel mm. of Luke. They're both quoting Jesus um, when he says you cannot serve both God and mammon. God and mammon. For right. either you will hate one and love the other or, or you will cling to one and, and despise, despise the other. other. Yeah. Right. Um, so in the Middle Ages, um, this sort of, this term sort of became personified um, and included in the seven princes of hell. Mammon in Hebrew means money. The word was adopted uh, to modern Hebrew to mean wealth. So that's kind of what the word means. Um, but it kind of goes back to that seven deadly sins part of the story that was scrapped. Yeah. Uh, you could kind of associate mammon with like, um, maybe not gluttony, but with greed. Sure. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. Um, but anyways, I think that that name probably, they chose that name during that period of the story when it was all about the sins, okay, yeah. the sins increasing. Sure. And, and, and that as you, um, you know, exploit the spirit of those seven deadly sins, you are serving, you know, mammon and to make him stronger. Right. Uh, but then there's the four, I guess that five earlier, the five spirits, spirits that are like yeah. good, they're helpful, I guess. Yeah. And that those ones would serve God. And then there's like a dichotomy. There's like a difference, right? Yeah. That and one, yeah. just in case we don't actually get to the end of this because we have like literally probably 10 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted to read something from the end here about mammon that I thought was really interesting that kind of ties into a lot of things we've talked about on this podcast with Xenogears and other Xeno stuff. Cool. Um, so it's kind of just the quote kind of at the very end, like the credits, right before the credits of the game. Before Brian's eyes, peace had slipped farther and farther away and the world of mammon emerged. Oh no, wait, that's when he actually... Oh yeah, mammon driven by unprovoked jealousy, usurping the brightness and the uniqueness of human life. But the sacredness of life force can never belong to Mammon. And Mammon has been returned to the darkness from which it sprang. Mm. So this that's, felt that's very cool. similar cool. to me to um, the Gnostic Gospels sure, um, yeah. and, and their descriptions of the Demiurge. Mm. It was, it's like basically the same thing. Mm. So the Demiurge was created by one of the aeons yeah Sophia yeah like Sophia. accidentally not, Acc not yeah. on purpose I don't and think. and the problem was it didn't have the breath of life from uh, the monad oh yeah so right. yeah. so it was a fall the demiurge yeah. is like the god of the material universe yeah. kind of thing yep. uh, with the plane below the the pleroma. pleroma yeah where the monad lives right um, and so when and he tries to create these bodies he tries to he tries his hand at creation himself but they yeah. never have life and it's not until the breath of the monad comes and light a life force goes into adam and eve right. that they actually have life and 
the 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 monad or not the monad the demiurge is incredibly jealous right. because of this. So and he so, kind of spends his time trying to destroy them. <laughs> well, yeah, he creates a prison yeah. called the Garden of Eden, oh, there you where go. he yeah, hides yeah, yeah. gnosis or knowledge from them, yeah. keeps it from them out of jealousy. Yeah. That's basically exactly what this mammon is. Mammon driven by unprovoked jealousy, usurping the brightness and the uniqueness of human life. But the sacredness of the life force can never belong to Mammon, and Mammon has been returned to the darkness from which it sprang. So Mammon is kind of like a demi the demiurge of That's cool. Quest 64. That's pretty world. cool. Now you know what's yeah. funny? I'll bet you that in this game they were like, oh, kids can't like understand this stuff sure and then and then at the same year actually i think xenogears came out a month or two before this game um xenogears was like we're gonna win all out we we trust that whoever plays these games will just like they'll be fine like they'll figure it out now xenogears didn't sell the the best at least compared it sold well but not compared to like final fantasy and stuff yeah um but quest 64 i think they watered it down a little too much um, yes. not thinking high I enough agree. of their audience. Sure. Whereas Xenogears thought very highly of their audience yes. Yes. and was like, we're going to just, you're going to drink from the fire hose. <laughs> yep. And uh, I think that's prob that might underline the biggest difference between these two games. Yes. The quest 64 watered everything down to make things as like generic and milk toast as possible for a younger audience. Yep. And Xenogears went the complete opposite direction. Yep. And, and part of that is being on the PlayStation and having room to do yeah, so versus that's true. the N64. Lots not- of text. And having That's a true. developer who was very experienced in RPGs versus one who'd never made one before. Yeah. Of course. Now, we are definitely not going to have time to get through everything. But no. there's a couple of things I, I want to give you, you a chance you to. You can jump around because I have. Around. My my last thing that I wanted to even mention was that we get we get the or- Earth Orb back, but he just the king just gives it to us. Yes. Um, that, I, as a kid, I probably was fine with it. I was like, oh, sick. We get to keep it. Cool. Um I play the game now, and I'm like, wait, didn't you need this? Yeah. Okay, I'll take it. But like, and he also gives us wealth and treasure afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're worse off. (laughs) (laughs) At least you had your treasure hoard behind your your throne. But now I got you the thing, but now you're giving me the thing and plus some like money. So like you guys are I think this is actually kind of key too. It actually shows that they weren't using the earth orb. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like- Because- the Earth Orb corrupts people when they use it. Oh, you have to be like oh, a true good. magician oh, to be good. able to use it. So and that Brian bad is proving guy. to be a true magician. Oh, that's good. Yes. Wait, this is what I'm saying, dude. The story is so, actually pretty cool. I, I, didn't, I didn't really get that. <laughs> I know. So they weren't even really using it. They no, were just kind of they keeping were just it keeping safe. Keeping it safe. Oh, that's good. So Wait, the, the Earth that Orb alone makes this whole game. Yeah, the Earth Orb was more not the source of their abundance. The, they just they mined clay and they yeah. Okay, in fact, the Earth Orb was, like, n- not good. They didn't... Yeah, it, it, you, they shouldn't that's have crazy. used it because it has part of the power of Mammon, who is the demiurge of this world. It has a really mm. dark magic encapsulated in it. And that's why it corrupted Solverang, Solverang even further and, ah. like, played on his jealousy and his so of the humans, right? And so that's why, once again, the Lord of the Rings, One Ring and all that stuff, yeah. you need, like, a hobbit, i.e., like, a kid, like, a young kid right. who doesn't, like, know much about the world. Right. And that's who can actually 
yes. use this kind of yes. stuff because they're less yes. corrupted. A that's true really, magician really will good. have the ability to use the stones without being corrupted. A by true them. master apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, well, that's my last thing I want to bring up. Yeah. I'm glad I brought it up because that's that's uh, really good, actually. Yeah, so really the cool. keepers of the, the stones were not using them. The keepers of the crystals, the orbs, the jades, whatever, was no, they weren't using them. They were just keeping them safe. The, the people who steal them yeah. And then try to use them. Right. And then the they bring out become, the negative yes, powers. Get corrupted and stuff. Gosh, that's so that's so what good. happens to each of those bosses that you get the orbs from. Well. Um, and so, anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, aside from the fact that the Eltel book contained the power of, um, of mammon in it, right? And they tried to, in, in order to keep somebody from falling into the wrong hand, somebody from using it again, yeah. that's why they split the power into the crystals and gave them to different keepers. Hmm. But I just wanted to mention one of the coolest moments of this game, and this is so something totally missable. I, I don't know if you saw this. It, when you're when you're headed through the the, the kind of like the desert, what do they call it, the, the Dim Dom Dries oh. uh, section <laughs> of the game. Uh, if you pull up the map or whatever, there's like nothing that appears to be interesting out in this just giant square of desert. Yeah. But if you go out there, there's like a crystal sort of bobbing that will guide you to a platform. When you stand on it, it okay. takes you into the past like the ancient past a thousand years and it is just like basically a, a, a huge like pyramid structure yeah um and lavar the ancient king of a thousand years oh. ago shamwood is there and he tells you all about i don't think i saw this he tells you all about how he tried to use the eltel book mm. and he unleashed all of this and his his quote is great and this is how you learn that, that this power corrupts people who are not worthy or whatever, right? Oh, that's so good. Too um, it's missable. Even yes. as a kid, that doesn't sound familiar. Even I know. when I played it you can totally years ago. freaking miss this. Huh. Um, let me just pull up Lavar here. Okay. So he says, What have we here? No one has found this phantom city in a thousand years. I am Lavar. I once held the Eltel book. But when I opened it to unleash its incredible powers, I was not worthy. The only powers I could control were those of famine and destruction. I could hate, but not love. I could terrify, but not inspire. Wow. Finally, the great magician Epona came to my rescue and freed me from the curse of the Eltale book. But my penance is that I have been exiled here alone for eternity, or until the, the evil that we call mammon is defeated. Wow. Only then will I find my final peace. You, with the precious gems of untold power, are my only hope, the only one who can free both myself and all of Keltland from evil. So that's where you get the clue that coming in contact with the Eltel book, like basically only brings out like the, the bad qualities, the mm. negative qualities, the evil qualities, right? He could not, he could no longer love. He could only hate. He, yeah. his only powers were those of famine and destruction. Like, it, okay. It, yeah. That's what happened to him when he came in contact with it. Oh, that power was quartered into those crystals and those guys tried to use and that's what happened to them in small oh. part because it's not the full power of the Eltel book. So, <laughs> Shanna, all, the, big, the big revelation at the end of this, when yeah. you get to the, the very end of the game um, and you've killed like the king of Highland and all this stuff, and, and you find your father yeah. you there find, on the ground. He's jacked. He's injured. Yeah. And Shannon's standing there. Yes. And she had a chance. She had defeated him, I think, right? Yeah. Well, she had a chance to kill him, but she didn't. Right. Because with his, he was basically dead. Yeah. He's, and then he's with out his, of it. we don't even get to talk. She to him. mentions Brian's name, and with his last, last ounce of strength, even though he knew he couldn't win, he tried to stop her from going after his son. Hmm. And she was so perplexed by this because she's uh, not really yes. human. She's, she's like, like a puppet a robot, who doesn't yeah. understand humanity that she's like, 
okay, I'm going to wait for Brian to come here because I this is something I don't get and I want to understand yeah. better about humanity. And she starts to kind of change from that point about like, I I don't get why you humans are struggling the way you are and why you, I, this thing about love. Because Brian's whole journey was not about going out to save the world. It was right. going out because of the love of his father. Good friend his dad, yeah. And that was what touched Shannon's s- puppet soul <laughs> and what changed her from strictly serving Mammon as a puppet right. to basically allowing Brian to do what he needed to do mm. to destroy Mammon. And so, like... Very interesting. There's more to That's this thematically than anyone gives it credit I'll, for. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and it's probably because I didn't talk to enough people, but when I yes. played this game as a young kid, when we got to Our Father, I was like, sick. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Game we over, did it. Right? I did the game. Yeah. And I was very confused that when you go past that room where your father is, or maybe mm. one more room past that... You can't go back. You're in a room where you can't ever go back. Yeah, you can't. And as the game gets very crazy at that point, but once you finally go all the way through and defeat the boss at the very end, I remember once the game was over, I just couldn't believe it. You can still kind of do stuff and move around. Yeah. I ran all the way back to try to go back to find my dad, and but there's that room. You cannot open that door. It's impossible. And I was like, this. What what's going on? I was I was very very severely disappointed. (laughs) But you you I found my dad and then I rescued him and then I never got to see him again. I know (laughs) what and and the only throwaway line that they had totally throwaway line that suggests he's okay is it's it's in that little text at the very end of the game the one I was reading about Mammon being unprovoked jealousy. The people can now return to their peaceful daily lives. New towns rise from the ruins, completely reborn. Even those who were injured or hurt. Are made whole again. No, so that this is the clue okay. that Brian's dad is okay, and they went back hand in hand to their village, <laughs> and everything was happy. They just didn't show that. They just didn't show it. And like with the inn or with the boat, I want you to show it. Yes, I want to see it. Okay, so this is this brings us to our final conclusion. This is not a good game. It's not a good game. <laughs> it's but, not a good game. But I want to play the the Game Boy yes. Color version now, which by the way had even lower ratings on IGN. Yes. than the original I think, game. I think the battle system <laughs> and gameplay is probably why. I think yeah. that's somehow even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a circle around you, it's like a square. It's like a tiny square. Yeah. Uh, so that part's probably worse, but the okay. story is probably a little better um, as far as delivery and not as far as content or what's in there, but as far as how it's presented. Yeah. Um, so I am kind of curious to try it. <laughs> but the point is, this is not the worst RPG of all time. It yep. is not one of those games where you should be condemned to the likes of E.T. Atari or something <laughs> like that. And I was very surprised right. to learn that because that was what I came into this to do was right. to make fun of it for that reason. <laughs> and I'm very glad that I found something to appreciate there and that actually did inspire me. Um, uh, someone who is currently writing a high fantasy adult novel to say I would love actually cutting my teeth on a children's fantasy story that uh, maybe not first but like I I just want to try it because I feel like there's a lot of potential in something like this to be really cool for kids age 5 to 10 or something like that that their dad reads to them at night that could maybe even turn into a cartoon or that could turn into something like that that would that would be Something with some depth to it, some yeah. thematic depth to it. That's yeah. not just like a mindless cartoon, but like actually tells a, a good story that kids could learn something from. That's what I, I got out of idea. this game. I've been wanting to do that for a while. I will probably never do it. That's <laughs> something I'll talk about, but never do. Uh, but I feel the same way. But I'm talking like one, two, three year olds. You know? Yeah, like really I, young. I yeah. want to tell the Dragon Slayer stories. Like I just got my my three year old son. We just finished the Odyssey. 
Yes. yes. <laughs> I told telling you this yes. on the way. Yes. We just finished the part where Odysseus just kills all like twenty five suitors that are in his house. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, this is how it used to go. But but kids need to be exposed to this thing. I believe like, that too. Like stories are important and all the stories that, that most of these little kid books are just like all about flowers so and rainbows. Watered down. And I'm like, dude, you gotta get to the real epics that people told their these stories uh, up until fifty years ago, this is all the stories that everyone heard. Right. And now okay, maybe a hundred years ago, but still it's like, you know, there's a whole world out there. And it's not, you know, but there's deep meaning to be found there, even if it's really? not all really unicorns is. and rainbows and yeah, flowers. Yeah, and, and I, I want to write a story for kids that has that in it, you know. And, and, and it's Quest 64, <laughs> of so all good. things, was what made me decide I'm going to so try good. that out. That's cool. And so go watch Level Jake's videos because you'll get a lot more than what we were able to have time to go into today. Yeah. Um, but Quest 64 is better than you think it is. Maybe give it another look. I hope you enjoyed its little sliver of history on the N64. <laughs>